What's up, folks? Welcome to another edition of Matt Sports House. I'm your host, Matthew Anderson. Hey, y'all, it's just me. It's throwback to, like, uh, Matt Sports House, like, must be, like, season three. Uh, Thomas had something that he had to take care of, and my other guests had, were busy as well. So, hey, hey, this is just, like, how it used to be. Excited for this episode. You know, we just passed rivalry weekend in college football. A conference championship weekend is coming up, so... Got a little bit of a recap, just some of my thoughts from uh, last week's rivalry weekend and just some things I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how they kind of transpire uh, moving forward this weekend in the conference champions. So conference championships. Without further ado, welcome to my sports house. Open up the champagne. Pop. It's my house. Come on. Turn it up. Uh. Hear a knock on the door and the night beat. Cause we've done this before, so you come on in. Make yourself at my home, tell me where you've been. Pour yourself something cold, baby, cheers to this. Sometimes you gotta stay in, and you know where I live. Yeah, you know what we is. Sometimes you gotta stay in. All right, y'all. So we're going to go ahead and get started with uh, where college game day, we'll start where college game day and the college football on Fox, like kind of show was, it was both at the big game, the game, however you want to say, uh, Michigan, Ohio State. Y'all know I'm Ohio State fan, so this one hurt me a little bit with Ohio State taking a loss to the final score of 23-45 to Michigan. It's crazy because this is the game that both teams look forward to all year. Ohio State, we lost last season to Michigan, which put us in the Rose Bowl, where we know Jackson Smith and the Jigba had his huge game. But it's okay. We've been looking forward 365 days to avenge that loss. And we come out in this game. First, Emeka has a nice touchdown. Excuse me. And then Emeka Buka. Uh, we 10-3 into the first quarter. See, Michigan puts up 14 points in that second quarter to our 10. But it still seemed like up to halftime is like, okay, we seem to have control. My thoughts were, is like, but we need to be putting up more points. We need to be putting up more points. Like we need to be kind of running away from them at this point. We just kind of let them hang out. And then Michigan did what they did. Uh, they in, I think I said this in the last episode or one of the prior ones, Michigan's just really consistent. They don't get too far. They don't get too far down. You kind of know what you'll get for them every week, every week. Ohio State, while well, Ohio State before this game had beaten every team by at least double digits, it just got real close a lot of times. And teams in the Ohio State just was able to pull it out, generally speaking. That was not the case in this game. Um, it was crazy because if you just want to look at the stat line, well, and before you even do that, you talk about the Michigan quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, and you have a C.J. Stroud. And in this game, you think from, it's like, oh, so C.J. is going to run away with this game. As a matter of fact, this is going to be CJ's Heisman moment, and it's going to propel him to uh, taking over the Heisman Trophy, especially with Bryce Young kind of being out of it after the Alabama losses. But actually, J.J. McCarthy, a lot of people would probably say he actually outplayed uh, CJ. Matter of fact, I don't think anybody would say otherwise. Uh, it's crazy. I mean, his numbers, is 12 for 24, so complete half his passes for 263 yards and three touchdowns. That's what was major. He, he had a couple deep throws, where it's just that their receiver got behind the Ohio State uh, secondary and they just made the plays. And then you had a couple gashing runs 
from that. And it's from the Michigan running back who Donovan Edwards, who had 22 carries for 216 yards and two touchdowns, averaging nine yards, 9.8 yards a carry. And he wasn't even the starter. The starter couldn't even get to play that much. That's the Blake Curl. That's the crazy thing about it. And I think that definitely frustrates Ohio State fans like myself because it's like the start. The starter didn't even have to perform, and they did this well. Once again, let me read that out to y'all. Twenty-two carries for two hundred and sixteen yards. He averaged nine point eight yards per carries for two touchdowns in a physical game. For the most part, is going to go ahead. Is going to was going to go into the advantage of Michigan because that's their brand of football. You heard Joel Klatt and a lot of other people say a whole bunch of times before the game, Ohio State wants it to be a track meet. Here are explosive players making explosive plays. Michigan's like, hey, we'll ground and pound. The hole's open wide open, and you saw how good that Michigan offensive line was. And he just had a couple of deep passes that the receivers were able to make plays on. And I think sometimes we'll probably made the Ohio State faithful kind of upset, too. It seemed like those receivers were kind of like, especially by the time they got to end zone, they had kind of broke away for 15, 20 yards. So definitely tough to watch. <clears throat> CJ, he has some comments in his press conference I thought were kind of interesting. CJ Stroud being Ohio State quarterback, in case you guys didn't know. He said, in fact, that I know a lot of T people are going to look at me like never won a Big Ten championship game, never won uh, the game in the rivalry against Michigan. And when you think about that from Ohio State quarterback, that that's tough. Because all – and he, I mean, he was at the Heisman ceremony last season. He's a great quarterback at Ohio State, but it's like those are major flaws when being an Ohio State quarterback. You got to think about in the, the history. We got Dwayne Haskins, obviously. You got Justin Fields. And th these are just the guys in the most recent history. And it's like those guys beat Michigan. Those guys won the Big Ten championship game. And so it's just kind of crazy to see that that uh, happened to C.J., so I think they asked him in post game in the post game was he going to play in the um, if it's not the college football playoff because Ohio State does not have a guaranteed path there now I think they're really going to need USC to lose but they asked him would he play regardless and he kind of didn't make a comment and that kind of rubbed some Ohio State fans the wrong way so we'll see what happens with that Michigan continues they play in the Big Ten championship game this week. Let's see who they play. I had it pulled up earlier. And I think that they I think Michigan should win this Big Ten championship game easily. And here you got to give kudos to uh Harborough, right? Like a lot of times people were kind of doubting him. He just wasn't making it happen in Michigan. And next thing you know, Michigan is beating Ohio State two years back to back. And that Big Ten championship game looks like they'll play Purdue. They should beat them easily. And I, I think I heard some other college football commentators say this. I'm agree. It seems like as long as Michigan, even if they lose this game, and although Purdue would be a bad loss, you beat Ohio State on the road and kind of blow them out towards the end, you're almost pretty much guaranteed a spot in this playoff. So that's what a lot of people are thinking. I, I can see where they're coming from. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, I, I don't think you, Michigan goes and beats all these teams all season and then goes and lays an egg against Purdue. I just don't see it happen. That's a talented ball club in Michigan. They're consistent. Shout out Harborough once again because, I mean, he got that program, and he's got him. He, that's the program, obviously, he played at, and then he's got him and took him to uh, where they wanted to go, college, almost in competition for the college football playoff on a year-in, year-out basis. And they recruit a different type of guy. Like, obviously, they get highly touted guys at Michigan, but, like, not the same caliber guys a lot of times Ohio State gets, but they make it work, beat them two years in a row. And for Ryan Day, this is a tough loss for him being the Ohio State head coach because 
those fans do not expect to lose to Michigan. And they come from just dealing with Urban Meyer and coaches like that where understood the importance and always were able to get the job done. So we'll see what changes have to be made. Uh, really disappointing effort from, I guess, both sides of the ball, defense and offense. Those those big gash plays on that uh, from the Michigan offense on the Ohio State defense. And then just you just see all the weapons that Ohio State have, and you're like – how did we not score more than that? How did that happen? Like that we should be running in the case of a shootout, we should be perfectly uh, matched for that type of game. And it just didn't happen to be the case. So we're going to go ahead and get out of this big 10, but definitely had to talk about that. Uh, we'll go to real quickly. Well, since I go ahead and mention them, let's talk about the USC uh, Southern Cal University of Southern Cal. We'll talk about the Gamecocks in a second. The University of Southern Cal is crazy. So they get Lincoln, they get Lincoln Riley. He goes in the portal. And I mean, tell pretty much everybody who he may has he's maybe a peep at ESPN uh or watching the games with ESPN after Oklahoma games. Like, hey, look, you're a ball player, we can use you at USC. They get a ton of guys and basically rebuild that roster into being competitors. I mean, yeah, think about it. USC's only lost one game this year, beat UCLA. They're in the position to go play in the Pac-12 championship game after beating Notre Dame. And this isn't a Notre Dame team early in the season that lost to Marshall. This is a much better uh, Notre Dame team. Really good. Uh, what is it? Secondary. The secondary is really good. Notre Dame, USC gets the win, 38-27. Caleb Williams, after C.J. Stroud, because I, I kind of need to go back and say this. So C.J. Stroud, when you're down fourth quarter, it's like, first of all, it's your Heisman to lose. But it's like, all right, C.J., go win your Heisman. It's your Heisman moment right here. At home, rivalry game. Your team is down. Go bring them back up. Rally the troops, and the Heisman is yours. That doesn't happen. Hey, USC says, hey, Caleb, it's yours now. Because, like, like I said, it's so major that Bryce Young and them are already out of competition for this. So the award's kind of not going to him. So now it says, Caleb Williams, go get it. It's your turn. And Caleb Williams has a game full a game full of Heisman moments. I mean, he's such an elusive quarterback. It's just like the play is never over with him. Uh, like I said, they, in US, he leaves USC for the final score, 38-27 over Notre Dame. As for some numbers, Caleb Williams went 18 for 22 for 232 yards. Austin Jones, their backup running back, had 25 carries for 154 yards and uh, averaging six yards a carry. Their receivers just were able to make it happen, just kind of like 45 yards here, 37 yards here, but they just spread it out. You have a lot of guys with two-plus catches, which helps that that offense, which, as we know, Lincoln Riley's a great offensive coordinator. At, well, he's great at calling plays. He's a head coach, but – and so naturally the offensive coordinator, whoever's calling plays, if you're up under him, you're going to be pretty good as well. Otherwise, he's not hiring just anybody. So major shout-out to USC. I'm going to be honest with you. If Ohio State's out there playoff, I'm rooting for USC. Here's why. USC scores points, and their defense gets turnovers. It's a very exciting brand of football to watch. It's not like just sitting there, you're like, okay, three yards, three yards, three yards. No, no, there's they got weapons. Like I just said, they got it from all over the portal. They got guys in the defensive backfield. They got a defensive line that can get after the passer. It's an exciting brand of football. I just think they're the Blendle Cough Award winner left Pitt. I'm pretty sure Jordan Addison came to USC, gets to play with Caleb Williams, and it is and it's just worked at USC. So major shout out to Lincoln Riley for being able to take advantage of it. Obviously, you're coaching at Southern Cal, so there's a draw in that in itself for uh, potential transfer portal guys to come. But using USC's got this thing turned around. They beat Utah. Pac-12 championship game. That game is going to be, I think, at 8, 8 p.m. on Friday night. They be Utah. USC is in the dance for the and the uh, final four. So that'll be exciting. I know 
Southern Cal alumni is just excited to see USC mattering again. Like this, like this is like okay, they're right back in the mix. Fans are at the games. It's an exciting time to be a Trojan right now. And even if it doesn't work out this year for them, they have to be excited about the future of USC football as compared to what it's been for the uh, longest. So that, that's what's going on. And it's funny, like I said, we talk about the Pac-12, but with USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten soon, it's almost like that's an extension of Big Ten football. It's just for uh, here to come shortly. But now the game, depending on where you're listening to this at regionally, I think a lot of our listeners do come from the state of South Carolina. So shout out you guys. Um, Got to talk about the Palmetto Bowl, South Carolina, Clemson, whatever you want to call that rivalry. So it, I think there's a couple things you want to think about here. Clemson fans are not used to losing to the University of South Carolina anymore. After the Jadavion Clowney days and stuff, you know, kind of went by. The last time Clemson had lost to South Carolina, I think I was a sophomore in high school because freshman year is whenever Deshaun Watson committed to Clemson. Well, not when he committed, whenever he signed a national letter of intent. And since he's gotten to Clemson, they did not lose to South Carolina. Through the Kelly Bryants, through the, oh, Trevor Lawrence, I was just watching his highlights of this week, driving Jacksonville down the field, and they end up beating the Ravens. But, uh, yeah, they're just not used to losing to South Carolina. And I really think that – and then South Carolina just coming off of that big win against Tennessee. So South Carolina fans were believing. Like, But I think a lot of people in the country, too, were thinking, like, uh, we, 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 we had a top win here uh, recently. We might lay an egg. It's just, that's usually how it goes. You play a really good team and you play well, usually the next couple of weeks you're going to have some problems. But Carolina, they were able to get that win in Clemson, South Carolina. I think this is the first time Clemson's lost a game – a home game since, if I'm not mistaken, against Pitt in 2017. And I was at that game. I was a, was that 2016 or 2017? That's 2016. That's 2016, definitely. Against Pitt. That was the game Deshaun Watson threw. I think he had a sore shoulder. And I'm throwing like 54 times in that game. Um, wanted to mention this too. It was absolutely crazy for me to see. I don't know if y'all, if y'all are watching the game. The stat that they said that Clemson is one of six FBS teams without a 100-yard receiver. The fact that Clemson has gone, and I get it, they run a lot more with Shipley, right? It was a really great back, but that's just not Clemson. Clemson is Sharon Peak, who is probably one of the largest. Not, coming out of high school, he was a huge recruit coming out of Dorman High School, going to Clemson, and he was better than average, but just another receiver in the bunch with Martavius Bryant, Sammy Watkins, Adam Humphreys, the list continues. Mike Williams that came after them, Martavis Scott, Deion Kane, Raren McLeod, all of these guys. And you hear that Clemson is struggling to have a receiver get 100 yards in the air? Well, I guess you say receiving. That Now, granted, you could say part of that is, in fact, due to quarterback play. Uh, Got to get the stat for DJ in this game. DJ went for eight for 29 for 99 yards. Passing. That's not running, folks. That is passing. That's tough. That's tough. That's tough. And it's really tough because Clemson has gotten used to dominant quarterback play. Again, once again, Deshaun Watson, Trevor Lawrence. So the fact that, and they thought, and I keep saying this, I'm going to keep on stating this. Clemson saw. Whenever Trevor Lawrence had COVID, I think it was, 
They saw DJ come in against Notre Dame and ball out. They lost, but they saw what he could do. They said, okay, we just got our next great quarterback. It's not from Bosco. I think that's the high school he went to. And it just has not proven in the case. I don't know what's going on. And maybe because this game was so, like, tight, maybe Dabo's like, I don't want to put Kate into this type of situation. But, hey, kudos to the Gamecocks going on the road. 31-30 beating Clemson. Um and, and the re- thing I run that really highlight, Clemson went up in this game 14-0 off rip. Spencer Rattler had a bad interception a little bit later in the game. They had the, the safety call. And so it was, for the South Carolina to be able to kind of rally around each other and get it back going, that speaks a lot about the program. They, hey, they finished right now in the regular season 8-4. and four. Clemson's got to go play an ACC championship game. They're 10-2, and two and they're pretty much out of the playoff contention. But for South Carolina, they had Coach Beamer. To have that fan base, and you see exactly what happened when they were Will Muschamp. You have a great season in South Carolina, they're going to give you an extension. They're already in the work. You're trying to extend him. Hopefully he gets better results than, you know, uh, Will Muschamp did being Beamer. But that's great for him. An eight and four season and go on the road and beat Clemson in Death Valley. Dada mentioned some of and And Spencer, I want to say this about Spencer, too. Spencer, it's so funny, y'all, that we're back to doing it, do what I'm just doing here by myself, because this is, like I said, it kind of brings me back to how it used to be. Uh, Spencer Rattler has improved tremendously throughout this season of being able to get away from pressure in the pocket by just making a subtle movement. There were, like, I would say at least four to five times where it's like, oh, that guy should have went down, but Spencer just makes subtle. And you get to see a little bit of why he was so highly touted. Because he could put the ball wherever he needs to. And you got to see that in this game. Corner routes, go routes. He can do it all. And he's real, like, in that pocket. It's just one step real quickly. And it's like, man, he's out of the pressure. And he's got his eyes downfield. So he saw that a lot. He went 25 for 39, 360 yards, two touchdowns. He had those two interceptions, one of which was really bad. But it's just he – but you could tell he was in gaming. He was in gaming mode. This rivalry, it felt like it meant something to him. It didn't seem like he was a kid from Arizona who got played in a rivalry. It seemed like he was a kid from Columbia who understood, you know, the, the adrenaline and understood what this thing meant to uh, both fan bases. Uh, and I will say this, too. I noticed in the game, and it's crazy. Marshawn Lloyd didn't seem like he was completely healthy, whatever. He made the trip, though, but he played a little bit. But, I mean, he only had 11 carries, what, for 16 yards? Not the Marshawn Lloyd, South Carolina fans got used to seeing. Imagine if he's 100% and that game is going the way it does. South Carolina might beat him by more. You got to see Jaheim Bell getting in zone. It's, I think South Carolina fans get used to, oh, Jaheim Bell is a tight end that plays running back sometimes. But, folks, that is not normal. <laughs> uh, as far as a receiver, Antoine Wells, it's crazy thing. That kid was at James Madison. Came to SEC and been balling. Nine catches, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Josh Van give you a couple catches, a couple big plays. Jalen Brooks on the reverse was major for South Carolina. And I'm be honest with you, when you watch this game, you think, oh, South Carolina's got athletes. Like South, you and you even saw, I think Birch had a play, uh, some of the South Carolina defense alignment, and you think, ooh, we, they got some SEC. And granted, they're in the SEC, but they got some serious SEC athletes on that Gamecock team. And it helped them get the win. Huge win for the Gamecocks. Like I said, for momentum moving forward, for recruiting. It's like, hey, because for a while there, it's been go to Clemson if you want to play in the college football playoff, go to South Carolina. You want to play in the SEC. Probably never played an SEC championship game. You'll get to play good competition. But now uh, it's getting to Beamer can kind of walk in the living room and say, yeah, we probably, not only do we have a pretty good shot, I think we can keep beating them. And they have the talent. That, um, you have, How can I put this? 
and they have the talent on that roster to compete at a high level too. So major shout out to Beamer for getting that job done and breaking that win streak uh, for Clemson at Death Valley with so many wins. Like I said, they hadn't lost the game at Death Valley, I'm pretty sure since Pitt back in 2016. So that should tell you everything you need to know. I really think, lastly, I'm going to say about this game, I really think that it's – first of all, Antonio Williams, who's from Dutch Fork, the Clemson wide receiver, he he did have that punt return where he ended up fumbling, but he's a really good talent. I think he's going to be just fine in the future. It's going to suck for him right now because, like, it's, there, you didn't lose that rivalry game for your team, but you did have the key play that kind of put South Carolina, kind of put him in the driver's seat to win the game. So that's going to be tough for him. One to mention, Will Shipley is a great back. Brad Clemson, I think they he, he could not have turned out any better for them, especially with this new style of offense they've kind of been playing as of recently, past couple of years. It's like you get the five-star running back from North Carolina, extremely highly touted guy, and I don't think he's disappointed for the Tigers. So obviously a great um, a great get for Clemson. Also, and, and this is what I was going to say, and I, and I kind of forgot about it for a second here, but for DJ, it's going to be tough. It is going to be so tough for him to walk around Clemson after performances like this. Like, you know, granted, the fan base is going to give you some love. They, they, they're they going to do that. But it's like they feel they kind of feel like he's been the letdown. And, and I know that's tough for him. He, he has some confidence earlier in the season after a couple wins. But it has definitely been a letdown. You lose to South Carolina. And so we'll see what happens from that. I fully expect Cade Clubman, and I'm going to keep saying it, Cade Clubnick, I think he's your guy. I think he's a guy to get it back going where it used to be. He'll have a he'll have a whole off season, which is going to be so nice for him to uh, continue to you know get get acclimated in the offense. They can stay with the same offensive coordinator. A lot of people are wondering if Jeff Scott is going to come back now that you the now that he's been let go at USF. But I think K. Klubnik is a guy to get the Tigers back rolling, and I think if it was up to me, just from a little bit that I've seen, he'd probably be the guy that trots out there first. Uh, next season on Labor Day weekend. So some things to watch there. Also wanted to talk real quickly since we went ahead and talked about the University of Southern Cal. Uh, talk about some coaching stuff, right? So it's been rumored that Deion Sanders has been offered the job at Colorado out there in the Pac-12. That's an interesting spot for Deion because before I even go into that, Dion's objective was to bring a lot of notoriety and a lot of attention to HBCUs. He's definitely done that at Jackson State. Two undefeated regular seasons. Last year, I'm pretty sure they only lost. They, they might have one loss. Pretty sure they were undefeated and just lost in that Celebration Bowl last year to South Carolina State. This year, he's undefeated as of right now. Has, has HBCUs on college game day. Um, what else? Uh, there's something else. You've got Travis Hunter. So now you got the top recruits thinking about coming there. Cause you can even see like Shador Sanders going there. And now he, there's even talks of him being up for the Heisman. I don't think that's actually going to be the case, but it's nonetheless, that's even part of the conversation. Like he has brought the attention to him, but I think people are kind of getting tired. It's like, but like, y'all, he's done what his job was to do. Well, what he set out to do it actually wasn't even the job he set out to do. But it's like he, if he wants to go in the Pac-12 or the, any other Power Five conferences where they have the resources to support him, to like to, for his ultimate vision, I would, I would expect being like a national championship coach. It's like he's done what he's came here to do, and he's built it up along the process. So something I definitely want to think about. But like I said, they've been reporting that he's been offered a job at Colorado. 
I don't think Dion takes that job. It's it's a job, but that's gonna be tough sledding to get top recruits to go out to Colorado. It just it just especially with USC and them leaving the Pac-12. You can, he could go build something, which would be nice, but but there's also been rumors that USF might be offering him the coaching position. And while it would seem crazy that he would pass up on a power five um school like Colorado to go to USF, USF is Florida, that's where he's from. You different type of guy you're recruiting to go to South Florida in that South Florida area. I think the University of South Florida might be in Tampa, which is kind of interesting because you think it'd be in Miami. But then regardless, there's so much talent in Florida. He's from there. I think he would have to really consider that. And then they're also one of those schools. Y'all seen Jackson State uniforms. They're not really traditional, but they're super interesting and they're they keep players interested in it as well. Um, and USF definitely has the budget to be able to do that. If I'm not mistaken, Jeff Scott had them working on getting that indoor facility out there. So for football only. So that's in the works too. So I think Dion definitely considers it. The only thing I think that he might really consider is waiting till his son graduates or not even graduates, but finishes third year at Jackson State before he leaves. I think he might consider doing that. Probably likes being his offensive coordinator and his head coach. And if he's not the exact offensive coordinator, I know he has a heavy um Pretty sure he's offensive coordinator, but I know he has a heavy say so on like what they call plays and stuff like that. So that's gonna be something to watch. But Dion definitely has fulfilled his not even his obligation because he didn't have to. But I, I definitely believe that Deion Sanders has fulfilled what uh, he sought out to do, and obviously he should be he should be open to not open to, but he should be allowed to go chase his dreams like everybody else should be. So very very interested to see what Dion decides to do there now and then his Auburn job. So a lot of people were thinking Lane Kiffin was going there. Some beat writers in Mississippi were saying that, which really got everybody thinking. Because, like, okay, they would know. Turns out Lane Kiffin has been offered an extension at Ole Miss. I think he's going to stay there. My only problem with Ole Miss, me and Thomas talked about this one time, so I don't know what the ceiling is at Ole Miss. It's like if you even look at Ole Miss Stadium, it doesn't seat nearly the amount that the rest of the SEC West Stadium seat. It just, it's just not that. It's a – I think their ceiling is beating Alabama occasionally, but losing in the, uh, to other teams, the SEC West, and not competing for the SEC championship game. So that that's my only thing about Lane Kiffin potentially staying there. But I think he signed the extension, if I'm not mistaken. So he will be an old Miss on Heidi Toddy uh, for a couple more years. And so the, the job, it looks like it has been finalized, is going to Hugh Freeze, and that is a dynamic hire. Y'all do not forget what Ole Miss was. But and then they had that dynamic recruiting class, Robert Kendichi and Evan Ingram, Laquan Treadwell, among many others. Robert Kendichi was the number one player in the country at that time. I think I remember him because I think he went to the same high school as Wayne Gallman for Clemson. And so to see that Hugh Freeze, then he got in a lot of trouble or prostitution. There's a lot going on. Uh, and so they had to get him out of there. He ended up going to Liberty, being the head coach there. And now Auburn job is open. Auburn made the phone call. That's a huge hire for Auburn because you see that the system that Lane, uh, not Lane Kiffin, you see the system that Hugh Freeze does works. It's not like you're sitting there thinking like, I wonder if he's going to be able to do it. Now, I guess one thing you could say is, will he be able to do it within the rules? Because there's been a lot of things people are thinking, a lot of rules were both broken to get that recruit that great recruiting class out of nowhere at Ole Miss. I remember watching National Signing Day that year and everybody was just kind of like, what is going on at Ole Miss? They're, they're not getting these type of players commonly. Those are some excited times, I'm sure, to be at, the, at Ole Miss. But um, Hugh Freeze, Hugh Freeze to Auburn. 
that's major for Auburn. Auburn wants to get back to competing on the year out, year in and year out basis for the SEC West Championship game. They want to be nose for nose with Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide. Can't think of a better hire for that job. So yeah, yeah, guys, I think that's all we have. Really excited what, for ACC Championship game. Not really as much. Clemson should beat North Carolina. SEC Championship game. Expect Georgia to win. Georgia take care of business against LSU. Big year for Brian Kelly though. First year, and he already in the, in the SEC championship game. I'm sure the, the Louisiana people will be, the Louisiana faith will be very happy about that. A Big Ten championship game. Once again, expect Michigan to take care of business. They're consistent. And then once again, I need USC, and I need USC in that college football playoff, and I'll root for them because I do not think, I don't see a path to where, I, there's a path for Ohio State to make it. I just don't see it happening. But y'all, so that's all we have for this week. We will have another one next week. Hopefully, uh, my prediction is Thomas probably will be back. If he's not back, you know, uh, we'll we'll see. I get another guest. We'll do this like this again. It's been nice doing this though. I haven't done this in a while. It's just a lot of kind of my thoughts out there about college football and kind of taking it back to how we all started. But uh, mate, uh, thank you guys for listening. We've been rolling for gosh, it's kind of crazy if you think about it. We've been rolling almost five seasons through the pandemic. We kept rolling. And uh, so have you ever just kind of chilling? I have nothing to do. Go back and listen to some of the old episodes. See how far we've come. Listen to some of the old predictions. See how they kind of came out. It's funny. I remember, I very well remember because I was really big in watching quarterback stuff at the time. I remember whenever Quincy Avery was talking about CJ Stroud. He's like, oh, there's a kid coming out of California. I think you guys are going to like him a lot. He's going to Ohio State. A couple years later, he's the Heisman Trophy finalist. And so we'll see where that lands. Like I said, I think Caleb wins it. It's not even close this year. The impact he's had on that offense is just – Caleb is just one of those guys, and I get a lot of my information from, like, consultants and stuff that kind of talk on different platforms. Jordan Palmer would say he's one of the best he's seen at Elite 11, and it's proved to be true as he's matured and obviously at the University of Southern Cal, even his freshman year at Oklahoma where everybody was like, who is that kid? So thanks, everybody, for listening. Should see y'all next week. Peace. Uh, okay, last night I was still recovering up from last night. Last night I was fighting demons with my past life. That's right, I was pouring, drinking, sipping, acting right, addicted to the fast life.